podcast where we pull the curtain back on the wellness, well-being, and intuitive business space and just take a poke around and see what's up. I'm Michelle Pelazon, the host and the head witch in charge here at Holisticism. And I'm so excited for this series to begin to kick off. We're talking all about manifestation. And if you've listened to the 12th House podcast before, hi, welcome back. So happy you're here. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't, that's okay. We released a podcast episode with friend of holisticism, Amanda Chase, back in January about her experience with the popular kids of the manifestation space and her really bad experience with diving into the world of manifestation and all the sort of materialism and problematic nature that can go along with some people who talk about law of attraction and manifestation. And we got so many, so many, so many messages from people who agreed with Amanda and said, you know, their spidey senses tingled too when they I don't know, heard these gurus talking about their manifestation formulas and law of attraction and how just it seemed like it didn't quite fit with what we know to be true, which is that on this plane, on this planet, we have things like systemic oppression and that we don't just sort of call in the negative things that happen to us. And that there's more to it than that. And that's not necessarily not true, right? Like that we we can call things into us. We have some power, but there are some key components missing. And I think that you should definitely go click on Amanda's episode. We'll put it in the show notes below if you want to listen to it. But it really opened up this dialogue on our team and that we've been wanting to have for a while. Because here, let me just say it. I don't think that all manifestation is bad. I don't really think that, yeah, I don't think that all manifestation is bad. Far from it. I think it can be really empowering to a lot of people. And I think that like a lot of it's bullshit. And a lot of the sort of manifestation babes that you see out there are selling basically an MLM. They're selling programs to teach you how to manifest your dream, I don't know, G-Wagon. And they're manifesting that quote unquote by selling that to other people. And it's a little bit of like a cosmic MLM and slash pyramid scheme on some sides. And I can totally acknowledge that there is something else out there, right? That when we align ourselves, when we collapse the timeline, when we embody a new character or an archetype, we are able to create a world around us. And how can these two things go together, right? How can absolute choice and power, the power that we might have to create our world, go hand in hand with the things that we do experience that we know we're powerless to? I don't know, dude. I don't know the answer. So we at Holisticism tapped a couple of people who we think are, I'm just going to say it, they're way smarter than me. And they're way more adept at navigating these conversations around manifestation. And they have some different perspectives. And I'm really excited to to bring them to you, (laughs) our listeners, because these three women that I spoke to are interesting. They are 
empathic, they're intuitive, and they're also really grounded and real. And I think that that is the thing that I admire the most about all of them. And we're starting off our three-week manifestation deep dive with Jaleesa Cypress. And Jaleesa is so dope. If you are not already following her on Instagram, I strongly recommend that you smash the follow button because you're going to love her. P. The, our, one of our VIRs, also a beloved podcast episode. You can check the show notes or just scroll back in the feed a little bit. We talk about timeline jumping and embodying archetypes and characters. And it was a really fun conversation. But Jalisa and P are friends. P is one of our VIRs, like I said. And I think that you'll hear in this conversation that you definitely... There's overlap between how P and Jalisa approach their work. And it's really invigorating to me. It's very freeing to me. And I love hearing from both of them, but I love being able to sit down with Jalisa and, and talk about manifestation and how she teaches and the work that she does. She helps, she uses astrology and energetics to help people find careers and create the careers of their dreams. And I just love the way that she teaches. She's not that sort of guru sage on the stage. I'm the expert. I'm an expert spiritual teacher. She's a mirror. And I love that. I aspire to be that, a mirror more than anything. And I just think you're going to like this episode. So I can't wait for you to listen to it. And I also can't wait for you to hear the other episodes that are coming up because they're all going to be so good. And I'm just going to be really honest with you. I've been simmering on these conversations for a while and you can fast forward maybe like three minutes if you just want to get into the interview with Jaleesa. But, you know, I still don't really know what my belief is on manifestation. In our last episode with me and Wallace on Friday, we talked about maybe we need to rebrand this word manifestation because it's sort of like lost its meaning. Now it kind of feels like, I don't know typical or or it reminds me of like, eh, it has this negative connotation, which has just been overused and it reminds me of the secret. And that's just not, that's not the vibe. So I think that there's something there. I think that there's something to us being able to create our reality in this video game that we're living in and having power through our choices and the choice making and that being fun and all of this being interesting and like this interesting initiation that we're going through constantly to sort of align with our soul's work and what we're here to do and remind us of our soul's work or remind us that like having a human experience is what we chose. Like we're gods on earth. We're we are like these angelic beings or something, right? We're we're not from here. And we got to choose to be in this human experience because there's so much gold in this, in, you know, seeing a baby laugh or watching a butterfly float by or sitting in traffic on a hot summer day and hearing your favorite song come on the radio and just like that you know, in the heartbreak and all of it, there's, wow, I can't help but smile getting to know that we get to experience these things. So I think that there's that, right? That like, wow, we have so much power. And also I'm reminded constantly that there's so little we also can control other than how we control not even control, how we decide to react, how we decide to respond to what we're handed. 
And I think anyone who's maybe gone through like a health diagnosis or had something traumatic happen to them can relate. And I think that this is where manifestation conversations can get into tricky territory and really get into black and white thinking that, you know, one of my biggest pet peeves where I just like go full Scorpio moon is when people tell my partner that he manifested his brain cancer, that there must be something that he wanted that like, that there must be a reason that he wanted that to happen or else it wouldn't have happened to him. And he's actually had people tell him this who are like law of attraction people. And I kind of just don't believe that, you know, there's just part of me that's like, I feel a little, I don't know, dude, that feels really off. And the same goes to anyone who's experienced something horribly traumatic or who's experienced abuse. I don't think that they manifested that in their life. I don't think children who are born into poverty manifested that. I don't think, you know, or maybe I just can't understand because I'm a limited being <laughs> or I need to remember my divinity and I, and I haven't quite remembered it yet. But these are things that I just personally grapple with. And I don't know if that's interesting to you or not, but as much as I believe that we have so much power and there's so much magic and we really get to choose and we get to create these worlds around us, I also, I think that there's a lot that we're kidding ourselves about <laughs> around what we can't control. And I am seeking to find that happy, that balance between the two. How can we not be total existentialists <laughs> who are nihilists? And also like have fun creating this life and being in these bodies and having fun with the hands that were dealt. I don't, I don't know if it's always possible, but that's what I'm looking to find out. So maybe my mind will be changed after all these episodes and maybe, maybe I'll have a clear decision now that I've marinated on these for a few weeks, but I'm curious to hear from you. So text us. Let me know what you think. What are your thoughts on manifestation? Tell me. (laughs) I'd love to hear it and what you're grappling with too. And by the way, like, I think grappling is fucking cool. And I think it's actually a sign of intelligence (laughs) that you can hold two contradictory ideas at the same time in your brain and that you can be unsure and you can change your mind. And I think that's a pretty baller move, in my opinion. I wish we did a little bit more of it. I wish we did a little bit more of it in the wellness space. But, and I'm sure I could apply that to myself. So that's today's episode. I'm really excited for you to listen to it. And I'm going to drop some goodies at the end. So make sure you stay tuned. Without further ado, welcome, Jalisa. Hi. Hi. How are you? I am so good. How are you? I'm good. Where are you based? I'm in Mount Washington in LA. What about you? Oh, okay. I'm in New York right now. Oh, it's so nice to actually meet you. We've been on email and we have a mutual friend, P, who's one of the VIRs of holisticism. Yeah. Amazing. Just interviewed P and I just heard you on her podcast. Yeah. Our conversation was very amorphous. So that's kind (laughs) of the vibe lately. I think the, the title was like, I don't even know what to call this. I'm really curious. You said you love business. And mm-hmm. it sounds like we kind of have a similar background. We were artists, which is like the opposite of business or artists are notoriously, notoriously bad at business. So how did you fall in love with business? And it sounds like kind of an accident. Oh, that's such an interesting question. I think when I realized that what I had was a business, 
and realized, oh, I need help. Like what is going on? So I started listening to podcasts, which was the the only business advice I had for a long time. Yeah. And I just became obsessed. Like I was just listening to them constantly because I I think it has a similar effect on my body that astrology does where it's like, there's a formula and then you get to see the results or like there's, it, it feels like a puzzle to mm-hmm. me. Like business feels like a puzzle and it feels really stimulating to my system. I just love helping people be more of who they are and get see, like be seen for that, whether that's financially or, you know, on the internet or just in like, you know, um, in-person space. Like I just, I don't know. It's interesting. Like, how did I fall in love with business? I feel like it was <laughs> everything that's the most beautiful in my life was by accident. And I don't know if accidents are real. Like, I don't think they're real, but I think like, I didn't intend to have a business. I didn't intend to be an astrologer full time. I didn't intend to have the friends, you know, like all of those things were kind of just fell into my lap or found me. Mm-hmm. So I think, but I think like falling in love with business was just realizing like, oh, it's similar to these other systems that I use, similar to math, similar to to geometry and astrology and where there's like these, yeah, these formulas and these ways of doing things that feel really rewarding. Mm-hmm. Even if there isn't, I don't know, like even like the customer buying to me is like the last part of the equation. Like I'm really fascinated, like, oh, I finally set up my system and I have the da 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 and like fitting all the puzzle pieces together. So I think it might just be the way that my system works. It really jives with what I think is business, which is like figuring out the fine balance between what you have to offer and how you're gonna how you're gonna talk about it, which maybe is more akin to marketing, but I don't know. It's all the same. Yeah. And Okay, this is so interesting. What are your top, what are your big three? Your sun and your rising and your moon. I'm a Cancer Sun, Taurus Moon, Taurus Rising. Ooh, nice. Yeah, I'm a Pisces Sun, Cancer Rising, Scorpio Moon. Oh wow, yeah. all water, uh, water baby. The the fact that I can even leave the house, yeah, <laughs> is remarkable. It really is. <laughs> Round of applause. But I wonder if business just comes natural naturally to you in some ways you kind of like have figured out the language of it because of all that Taurus energy and you're just kind of like used to it do you have any theories on your personal astrology and why maybe if this is such a fluent language for you to speak well I feel like I specialize in making business fit to you versus the other way around especially when it comes to like helping other people with business and I feel like for me, it makes the most sense because like Neptune and my Midhaven are at the same exact degree in my chart. So there's like a tight conjunction. Like, so for me, that really says that like what I do in the world is kind of like, there isn't boundaries or containers or confinement with it. And it's very spiritual and it's very like whatever it needs to be. I kind of think of Neptune as like a very amorphous gaseous kind of energy that kind of fills whatever container it needs to but also pushes on boundaries and so I think it's more just that like yeah I think that the way that I like to do things and the way that I've sort of formed into a business person was because also astrology is all about timing like fits Mm -hmm. into the timing of when I was born and, and when I'm sort of coming into this space so yeah I would definitely say that Neptune Menhaven conjunction means a lot to me. Also my Mercury and my Sun are conjunct and also they're both in the third house. So like 
the way that I'm just constantly thinking and like constantly have ideas and Mm -hmm. constantly like, you know, working things out. And I love problem solving and I love writing. Like I just, I write constantly every day, all day. I go through journals in like two weeks. Wow. So I think it's more just that I'm like, I want to constantly be helping people, solving problems, understanding things, making new things, innovating. So for me, it's just like this impulse, I think that comes really naturally to me and it has to go somewhere. And the fact that like people enjoy it or find value out of it was like, that was the surprise part. It wasn't a surprise mm. that I would love to to do this. Mm. Wow. It also seems like you're, you just said, when you said astrology is like of the moment, right? Or it's all about timing. It seems like you as an individual and your perspective on business, which seems to also be constantly evolving and maybe like, correct me if I'm wrong, but evolving as you speak about it or as you talk Mm. it through, it's like, ah, okay. Now I've so I'm like following that thread in public. That's like such, that's how business is today in this modern world. I would say when we have tools, like things like algorithms and TikTok and Instagram and Mm -hmm. Google SEO and whatever the behemoth that is Facebook that are constantly changing and evolving. And by the way, like even legislation can't keep up with how quickly things are evolving. I mean, look at Bitcoin, like we have completely new ways of like accruing wealth. So I I think that like, you're kind of like the perfect build for for Mm -hmm. like model for what, what business can look like today in real time, like the way that you sort of like fill up that space. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that feels, it feels accurate to me that like the timing of people being ready definitely had to be right. I definitely feel like there's a lot, like if, I don't know how much, I don't really invest in past lives a lot in terms of like, for a lot of reasons, but I definitely feel like there's a lot of unidentified anxiety that I'm like, okay, there was definitely at some point if I did have past lives or believed, you know, invested in that heavily, that this didn't, that the timing of that did not work out. Like Mm -hmm. the timing of what I had to offer and what was available, like what was um, being uplifted was not in alignment. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so Mm -hmm. like the, the newness of being like, Oh, people are ready for this. Like, I (laughs) just know that you guys like me, like what's going on. (laughs) Yeah. Or just being in like the team meetings that I've been doing since the beginning of the year and being like, Oh, I'm talking about like aliens and like the government (laughs) and like, you know, yeah, just really like fringy stuff. And then I look at people's faces and they're just nodding and I'm like, Oh, you're ready for Okay. You know, like, so it's, yeah, it definitely feels like people being ready to receive is a, is a huge part of my success. So mm-hmm. I think that in order for lots of people to get eyes on what they do, they sort of go to the ends of the binary spectrum. Right. And mm-hmm. I, I saw you have a post about this. If you were trying to be good, then that means you have to make other people bad. And Mm -hmm. I think that's so, so spot on, but often I, what I feel like I see on the internet and especially on Instagram is people being extreme in order to elicit a response. And, Mm. and it's like, well, all press is good press or like all attention is good Mm. attention. So who really cares what I'm putting out there? As long as I'm getting some, I'm evoking some reaction, which is similar to art, right? Like you don't have to like art. You just have to, the point is to have you react to it in some way, maybe. Mm -hmm. And I'm just really curious if you think that that those extremes have sort of softened the people in the middle to being like, well, aliens, that's not as weird as the other thing that I heard. (laughs) Like, I guess I can, I can vibe with that. (laughs) Mm, That's a really good question. Yeah. I would say that that definitely has a huge 
like plays a huge role in people's ability to digest a lot of the kind of content that like me or P the fairy or Jessa Reed or like these people that are kind of saying things that are quite out there. I, I think, yeah, it's, it's also to me just about intention. Like I think that you can feel intention through anything. And I think that, yeah, it's probably a combination of like, because I definitely feel like the people who are on the other end of the extreme of anything are doing work for me in a certain kind of way because they're, yeah, they're softening people to this idea of extremes and pushing the boundaries, which is great. And I think everything has its place. And so I'm grateful for that. But I also feel like, you know, my intention isn't to be polarizing mm. or extreme. Mm-hmm. So I think that that intention kind of is communicated through the way that I speak and the way that I try to make things digestible or make things like a conversation. Mm. And I think that's also what a lot of my success was in the beginning. It seemed like was because I like to ask a lot of questions. Like I haven't, I really didn't start making statements until like very recently. Like even if you just look at my posts over the last year, like you'll see the transition of me making more statements versus asking more questions. And so you see like me becoming more comfortable with kind of having more of a a stance. And I do think it's because I've seen a lot of people say a lot of things with a lot of conviction (laughs) that I'm like, okay, all right. (laughs) They can say that. I can definitely stop (laughs) pretending like I don't know what I'm talking about. But yeah, that's a really interesting question. I think, I think, yes, mostly yes. Yeah. Did you feel like you had to pretend like you didn't know what you were talking about because I don't know, you didn't have like typical credentials maybe, or like maybe why did you feel that way? No, it's not that I, <laughs> I don't think I've ever pretended like I don't know what I'm talking about. I think that I don't think any of us know what we're talking about. I don't <laughs> think any of us know what we're doing. <laughs> Truly, yes. So I'm not going to pretend like I do over you. Like, right. And I think that's why asking people questions and still, even with the statements that I have, I still have questions like in the post or, you know, it's a, it's a conversation starter. It's not where the conversation ends, you know, with whatever I say. So yeah, I don't think that I ever felt like I didn't know what I was talking about, but I more just was like, it. why does it matter what I'm talking about if it doesn't help you or if it doesn't resonate with you, why am I saying it in front of you? Hmm. So why don't I just create my work as a catalyst for you to find your own conclusions? And I feel like, you know, hopefully I'm still doing that even when I'm making statements. But I think in the beginning, I also think it's just naturally like, I just ask a million questions. Like, that's just what I do. It's probably my, like the, the thing that I do that comes most easily to me. So I just did what came naturally to me. I didn't do it because I felt, I didn't do it in reaction to any sort of like hesitancy about my own voice or my own knowledge. Mm. What was the flip that made you start feeling like, okay, I think I can make a statement instead of just ask a question here. Like I can reveal, cause I would, I would argue mm. that that's like a little bit more vulnerable, actually a lot more vulnerable mm. to, to sort of reflect and be like, well, this is my stance. Cause when you're just asking questions, it's, it's very opening, right. For everyone, mm-hmm. but it also can deflect from other, from people taking you down, right. Or, or pushing back against you. Cause we can say, well, I'm just asking a question and that's why yeah. it's so helpful. Right. Like when you ask someone who believes in QAnon, like you start to ask them questions instead of trying to poke holes in what they believe, mm-hmm. it can lead them to their own conclusions and, and they're doing it themselves. So I'm curious if there's like a story behind that for you of like, you can remember mm-hmm. that flip or when you embodied that character of being like, actually, I feel like I'm ready to be seen in this different way. Yeah, it's so interesting because I think 
everything that I do is entirely intuitive. Everything that I do entirely comes from like an undeniable like urge to just like express something. So mm. all of it just happened naturally. And then I look back and I'm like, oh, there's a change. Huh? <laughs> but I definitely would say there was a post that I have that's a question that's like, if you didn't create the life you're living, who did? Mm. And that question, I was expecting it to trigger people, but then yeah, some people came to that that post with like feeling really triggered. In what way? There are some people who are just like, well, there's people who are just inherently disadvantaged and you can't da 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 and you can't blah, blah, blah. And you can't. And I'm just like, I literally just asked you a question. Like, <laughs> so I think with that post, I, what, with what you're saying, like, I realized, like, I was like, oh, people are never going to not be like, people are, will cho- choose to be triggered by what they're choosing to be triggered by. Yep. People will always be upset. So why don't I just start owning what I think? <laughs> yeah. And also, I feel like I've created a legacy at this point with my work of people knowing that I come to this with a lack of like wanting to center myself as an authority. People understand that I ask more questions than I create, you know, give answers. People at this point, like, I feel like my audience and the people that I care about and the people that I'm cultivating relationships with want to have conversations and want it to be an active dialogue and want Mm -hmm. to come to things as a, as a full and, you know, yeah, it's like a conversation. So I think that post, if I was to, if I was to name one, even though like, I don't really feel like I have a linear timeline, I feel like that post, I was really like, wow, I just, I still am just asking a question, but the, the questions are getting spicier. And so people are just naturally, you know, reacting or responding different. And what's interesting is now with the posts that I'm making on Instagram, I'll be like, oh, wait, how could I make this a question? <laughs> but, and then I don't know how, like, <laughs> like, wait, no, I need to like say this and then ask questions later. Mm. And like the urge to make it a question sometimes is like a fear of making a statement that impacts people in a certain type of way. But it's like, if I don't own my voice, like, and my opinions, why the fuck am I talking on the internet? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's when I talk to people on this podcast, the 12th house, you know, what the 12th house is all about. Yeah. Um, so, and we, I have some heavy hitters there. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. So we talk a lot about like the shit people don't want to talk about that's scary. And often the people who are guests are those types of people who, mm-hmm. who want to have those conversations. And everyone is like, literally shut up. Like we don't want to talk about this. And just this sort of like push and pull, especially in our extremely on online age of how can you say, like speak your truth and, and say what you think and also change in real time and change in front of people and also grapple with the very human feeling of feeling like everyone hates you and like the rush of emotions and anxiety and feeling that online hate or like dissent can cause and how quickly that can sort of escalate in this other plane. Cause like the digital Mm. world is not the real world, but it's arguably very real. They're just two different things. And the repercussions in both can be extreme. Do you, how do you Mm -hmm. think about those two spaces or, or do you think of them as one? The online world and the quote unquote real world. Yeah. I I think there's the, the line between the two is increasingly blurred. I mean, obviously with AI technologies and I don't know how, far you want to go in that direction but yeah like they're creating like cyborg human you know there there's like the fusing of ai and human beings the fusing of of online persona and in-person persona i mean yeah i don't see that there's a huge difference between the two which 
I don't know. I think, I don't know if I have much to say about the relationship between the internet and real life. I feel like my, my role on earth as a creature is just to be like, oh, what do humans want to do? Okay, cool. I'll, you know, we can do that. That's fine. If that's where you are. That's fine. I'll hang out there. And so I'm like hanging out on the internet because people want to hang out on the internet. Yeah. But I think the, I see people, I think my biggest struggle between the two is like, I see people who I really love and admire and think are fucking brilliant offline, really struggle to feel heard and seen online. Mm -hmm. And that really, it hurts because also everything that I've done has been so intuitive that like, you know, when they're like, what did you do? And I'm like, I don't know. I just, yeah started talking like you know and so the the disconnector feel like people who are feeling that they're left behind I think is something that's really hard for me to see but I also feel like that's also a mental space and a mental block for them you know that they can't do the internet or that they and it's like no you just have to find your way of, of doing it you might not be able to do it in the way that everyone else is doing it or the way that you think that you should you know and maybe your way of doing the internet is not being on the internet yeah but yeah, I mean, I, I think that there's, especially with COVID, right, the, the line between internet and real life was so blurred because most of us were mostly just consuming content, like, via video. So, yeah, I don't know if that really answers the question, but I, I think, I mean, it's a shadow world. I feel like the internet is is shadow world, and it's also such a clear representation of manifestation as well to me in a lot of ways. Oh, interesting. Like, the way that algorithms basically spit back to you what you put in them. Yes. So that is the way that manifestation works in the universe. If you use like certain, you know, ways of looking at manifestation. So that's, what's really fascinating to me as well. It's like, Oh, all of a sudden I'm getting all these ads for baby. Have I been talking about babies? What? You know, it's like you then are seeing like, Oh, this is, if there's a neutral technology, that's just spitting back out to me what I've been putting into it. Mm -hmm. and whether or not I've been cognizant of what that input has been. And so that's really fascinating. Like the way that the internet is really a microcosm or a macrocosm of the micro macrocosm of being a little creature on this little planet thing Mm. in this matrix. Ooh, okay. I want to double click on manifestation in a second, but Mm -hmm. do you think the internet is truly neutral and algorithms are truly neutral the same way that the universe is? Well, no, because they're pro- they're programmed by humans. Mm. I'm thinking of like shopping algorithms, <laughs> you know, or, or things that are like pulling keywords. Mm-hmm. But even then, like if I'm talking about a specific spice from a specific country all day, every day, but that's not something that they found important, they're not going to put that in the algorithm, even though I've said it 15 times today. So I do think there is like the internet has the same bias that human beings do. Mm -hmm. I think that there is a connection between the two, but I think more what I was saying is, yeah, I think I was more talking about the mechanism as if it was or could be, but yeah, I think that because it's been created by humans and sort of, (laughs) I have feelings about that. (laughs) If if it has been created by humans, then, you know, our creations are going to be tainted by our own biases and relationship to ourselves and our yeah our predispositions yeah and and what we want our out the outcome to be you know at the end of the day that the internet is is a capitalist structure so it's about acquiring and extracting and so 
that's the intent. It isn't necessarily like even Google's algorithm, Google wants us to get really good content, right? Whenever we put something into search, but that's because Google gets paid every time we go to Google search. It's not because it's like, oh, I love content and I want to promote good content. It's because Google knows, okay, if I promote good content, people will keep coming back to me and I get ads, I can serve them ads and I make money every time someone pops something into the search. So Mm -hmm. that's just, yeah, like there's always, I don't know if there's an, that neutral internet is a possibility. (laughs) Mm. Yeah. Neutrality is a really interesting topic. And like, do you remember when net neutrality was a thing and we yes. all thought the internet was going to get yes. shut down and da, 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 and yeah. it just all went away. We do that all the time. There'll be these things that come up and like, oh my God, everyone needs to post about this. <laughs> everyone needs to do something. And then two weeks later, we're like, all right, on to the next thing. Like <laughs> we're so ridiculous. <laughs> but yeah, the whole net neutrality thing was really fascinating. Like just that, because now that I think about it, I'm like, oh, that term that we used for what we were trying to do, which I don't think any of us would describe it the same way. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that it was based in neutrality or that the people that were fighting for it are interested in neutrality. So it's, yeah, it's really interesting that word in relationship to the internet and what the internet really is for or is, or is a mechanism for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But, and I would argue that like, the internet is probably more neutral than a lot of other, I don't know, like entities. Like it can be uh, equally good. I mean, I guess that's not true. Money is the same way. It can be used for good and it can be used for evil. It's just a tool and it's amplified Mm -hmm. in the hands of whoever has power. So if you Mm -hmm. have power on the internet, like you get to, that's, the internet will become you like Mark Zuckerberg, right? Mm -hmm. That form of the internet is just like, that is a reflection of Mark Zuckerberg and his beliefs mm. and desires. But you could argue that it's someone else who, you know, gets that type of power on, in the internet space who has a different perspective, then that will become what the internet is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's so interesting to me, the way that we complain a lot about how these things work when like, they are creations of someone else that we choose to be on. (laughs) We're like, we're willingly and freely enjoying them. Like we enjoy Instagram for free. That's, I mean, our attention is, you know, like the thing. As a currency. Right. But like effectively it's free. Yeah. It's financially. Well, yeah. And then they added ads and all this stuff and obviously they're making money off of it now, but it's been years. So yeah. And like the way that our our entitlement is very interesting. (laughs) It's a very interesting thing on the internet, entitlement and shadow aspects. And yeah. Do you think people feel entitled to you and your content? Have you noticed that? Because you give away a lot for free. It's so funny. I don't get a lot of hate on the internet. I don't get a lot of people in my DMs. I don't like for the, the following that I have, which is, you know, sort of significant, like it's significant. You've got a following. It's it's definitely something like, you know, if you got that many people in a room, it would be like, Oh, that's a lot of people. people. (laughs) You couldn't fit them in the room. Yeah. So that's, yeah. I think about that a lot. Like when you're like, I only have a thousand followers. I'm like, yeah. If you can gather a thousand people in a room, that's a lot of fucking people. Why are you complaining about that? So yeah, I'm not complaining about it, but I'm obviously it's like, I don't know. I don't know what people label me as in terms of my following, but I just feel like I don't get a lot of like, 
I don't give off the vibe that I'm open to that. I think <laughs> yeah. my friend Colin Bedell was like, I would not want to come for you on the internet. And I was like, really? I feel like I'm nice. And he was like, yeah, you're nice. But like, I would not want to fuck with you. Like, right. I, that's just not something I you would do. You have a pretty strong like, boundary. It's like, mm-hmm. like, yeah, you, people call me boundary. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. I'm like, is that a code word? <laughs> No, no, um, it's good. It's a flex. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool, cool, cool. I'm on that. Yeah. So I feel like the couple of times that I have gotten it, which has literally been a couple of times in the years I've been on the internet, it's been very interesting. And I've just had a conversation with them. And at the end of the conversation with them, they're like, uh, oh, eh. <laughs> you know, like it, it's yeah, I don't I think people do get entitled but I don't think that people treat me the same way in response to their entitlement. Mm. Like, I feel like those people just like unfollow me, Mm -hmm. you know, or like unsend their message, Mm -hmm. you know, they won't like come for me. Hmm. Cause I think I've made it very clear as well that like, I don't have an agenda, you know, for how you're supposed to receive this content or how you're supposed to whatever. And I've made no promises to you. Yeah. Which is honestly why I've avoided doing a subscription for so long. But me and my assistant were talking about me doing a subscription. I was like, what? Well, I feel like I'm at the point where I'll just tell people like, I will post when I want to and no more mm-hmm. and no less. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just set, setting the expectation where I want it to be. So, yeah, I feel like I, I did that. I don't know how, but I, maybe just energetically. Because I th- definitely think early on, like really early on in my internet career, when I first started posting about astrology, there was more entitlement Mm. and then I addressed it and it just hasn't been a thing for me. Yeah. I think when you also like just offering mutual respect to your followers and being like, you're Mm ups. if you don't like it, you can unsubscribe and you get what you get. You don't complain about Mm -hmm. it. It's all good. Like you're getting this stuff for free, but I think, I mean, subscriptions are an awesome way. That's what we teach at Holisticism about Mm -hmm. how to make paid profitable content intuitively. And there's such a cool way to offer something low cost to people to get access Mm -hmm. to you, but also to get access to community in a different way. Cause Instagram is such a parasocial place, right? It's not true social bonds or connections or community that's really where people can be in conversation around the sort of digital campfire. It's more Mm. one-sided. And so like even providing that space for people and holding that container, that's really valuable. And yeah. And if you can hold that space, then like it's, it's worth having people pay. Yeah. I feel really grateful. I feel like my community is so nice to me. My sister, when she first started working for me, she was like, everyone's so nice. And I was like, yeah, everyone's really nice to me. So I feel really grateful, very appreciative about that. And I feel like at this point in my career, I've had people who've been following me for years and have like that core, you know, group of, of people that kind of, you know, buy the things that I do and come to the things and started to know each other and follow each other. And it's really beautiful. And I'm, I'm really grateful to be, you know, a catalyst for that or whatever, whatever that might look like. Yeah. Well, you are because you're the leader of that community or you're the one who started it, like, I guess in community, typically there is no real one leader. That's the point of being in community. It's like, Mm -hmm. it's communal, but you are obviously like mirroring to people what you expect of that space, right? Like how you Mm -hmm. expect them to show up for each other and for themselves. And 
as humans, we catch on to that. We want to understand what's socially acceptable in a space that we encounter or else it's unsafe. So all that we're doing constantly mm-hmm. is trying to gauge our safety and what mm-hmm. we need to do in order to remain safe. And when we can intersect what's safe and also what's comfortable mm-hmm. and with the third dot, like circle of like authenticity, like who we actually are. And when being ourselves is not only comfortable, but it's also safe. That's like the sweet spot for community. That's just so amazing that you've been able to cultivate that on a place like Instagram. Thank you. Yeah. I would say like my most important circle is fun. Like I feel like someone asked me <laughs> the other day, inside, like all the other circles are inside the circle of fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because the other day someone asked me about like, well, what are the three things that you describe your audience as? And I was like, definitely people who would question things, whatever. I don't know the exact answers that I gave, but one of them was like, if people just don't take things so seriously, like people who don't expect things to be taken seriously, people who want to like have fun with these concepts and not have them be, you know, like I'll post something about like trauma and then I'll post a little gif of someone like tap dancing on top of it. You know, it's like, I just don't, I don't take any of this shit seriously. Like Mm -hmm. this is the cosmic joke that, that we live in. So yeah, for me, it's like, and I think that to have that humor and to have that fun, it's like that base, that base level of mutual respect mm-hmm. and like love that I have for the people that, I mean, if you're doing spiritual work, if you're doing work on yourself, I have immense love and immense respect for you. So I think that people feel that. I think people understand that I know how hard it is because I'm doing it. And so that there's a mutual understanding of we're in this together mm-hmm. and I might be a few steps ahead of you. That doesn't mean anything about you or me. Yeah. Yeah. And I think from what I've seen, like part of your message is like, stop flagellating yourself. (laughs) Like stop. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be painful in order for it to work. Like Mm -hmm. it can be fun. And I think that like circling back to what you were saying about manifestation, which is, I was looking at Pinterest trends yesterday. Manifestation is like the biggest trend in wellness this year, Mm -hmm. which is so interesting because it definitely had its moment with the secret, you know, in the early aughts. And now it's back. And I think that funnily enough, TikTok has a lot to do with that, but there are also some big, I would say like white lady influencers in the wellness space who are talking a Mm -hmm. lot about manifestation and it's like, not that fun. Like it's not Mm. that dope and not that fun. And I'm just really curious to hear your take on manifestation because it can be a very fraught topic. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) My take on manifestation is that like, we're this life is a product of manifestation. We manifested this reality, this creation of this, you know, experience here on, on earth. And that manifestation is a constant process and that making it intentional is what we call manifestation, Mm. you know, making this, this process of living and, and calling things in and energetically aligning, blah, 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 is like what we call manifestation, but it's not something that we can turn off. Like it just is constantly happening. Yeah. It's interesting because I definitely feel like it's the topic that I approach most and it's Mm -hmm. one of my favorite topics to talk about, but it's also like (laughs) the most annoying topic to talk about (laughs) because it's just like, I don't know. I follow a lot of like tantric and non-dual, you know, paths. And I think for me, like the constant wanting and striving. I'm like, you will never stop wanting and constantly striving. Like, Mm -hmm. this is not a process of just like, once you get that Corvette that you manifested, you'll be happy. Like you're going to want then to redo the seats and then you're going to want to get a second car and then you're going to be unhappy because you didn't get air conditioning. Like, it's like, it's just, 
never going to stop. Like wanting is a part of living. And if you don't come to terms with and and learn how to be in the wanting itself, manifestation is going to be hell for you always, Mm. because you're always going to be leaving the present moment to think about what could be Mm. rather than what is. And like, that's annoying to say, like, it's annoying to say, it's annoying to do, it's annoying to live, you know, but it's also equally, it's also really painful and, and is a lot of suffering to think that everything's happening to you and that you have Mm. no control. Mm. I will never tell someone that I'm sorry. Mm. Like as many people who want to be like, well, you can't, I will tell them, I will (laughs) tell them that they have agency in their lives until the day that I die, because I refuse to be like, well, you're born into shitty circumstances. So you just never have what you want. Right. Like, how is that a social justice thing to say Mm. for me? Social justice work is manifestation work. Like it's the process of understanding that things can be different, gathering collective energy and putting it towards that like mm-hmm. that is manifestation work so I just got really fired up all of a sudden loved it I'm here for it <laughs> so I just I think that the topic is quite fraught because people are quite triggered by taking responsibility for themselves and mm-hmm. that's the case that's the case if you're in an argument with someone that you love yeah. it's hard to take responsibility like it's always hard to take responsibility it's always hard to understand the agency that you do have in your life. So I get it. And it's just as difficult for me sometimes to take responsibility for the things that I think that I don't have and, and think that I want, you know? So I get it. Like I, I get the, I get why it's really popular. I think people feel the most out of control that they've maybe felt. Yeah. And I also understand why it's a really tense conversation. Yeah. And I think that the like many conversations on the internet, the nuance gets lost. Right. And that's what I'm hearing from you of like, yeah, people have personal sovereignty and they get to have choice and they get to have some semblance of control in their lives, even if they're born into X number of circumstances. And there's other things that we're going to do in order to like collectively help people and to be in action. Right. Like social action is manifestation. And it's also like voting. Like those two things aren't, one is not like necessarily better than the other. It's like a, it's dual. Mm. Yeah. I think there's different types of manifestation as well. Like when people uh, like working hard for something and filling out a million applications and doing that is a, that is a kind of manifestation. It's just very physical. It's very material. There's also a kind of manifestation that's energetic. You just get to decide what work that you want to do. Like what is, where do you want to put your time and attention and what feels better to you? Some people want to put blood, sweat and tears and get the reward that way. The thing is when you decide to align with energetic manifestation, you can also do the blood, sweat and tears, but you'll probably get, you know, a result that's a little bit more aligned to why you're doing it rather than to all of the pain and suffering that can come from putting your blood, sweat and tears into things and not understanding how this kind of matrix thing works. Mm. But I also believe that like your life is a product of your belief. So if you don't believe manifestation will work, it won't work for you. Mm. Like, so I just, I don't think any, like everything is for everyone this lifetime. Yeah. Like, and I don't think that the way that it's being taught, like, I think everyone should teach it exactly the way they're teaching it. And everyone should do exactly what, what they're doing and continue on their path exactly the way that they are and that they'll evolve perfectly. And that if you, it doesn't resonate with you or you don't like it, you don't have to do it. Like <laughs> you don't have to do it that way. Do it your own way. Find another way mm. Um, create your own thing in response. Like 
you know? Yeah. That, that seems to be the thing that a lot of people miss and, and it makes sense because we live, I think we're like still a little bit straddling, like the guru culture Mm -hmm. versus like being your own guru. That's a stupid word, but you got what I'm saying. Like we're we're kind of like stuck in between of like, wait, I want to like hold these people up on pedestals and have my teachers who tell me the right way to do things. Cause like, I want to do it right. I want to be good. And also we kind of know like, well, just because that way worked for that person doesn't mean it will work for me. And that doesn't make Mm -hmm. them wrong. It just means that Mm -hmm. we're different. And I don't have to have like a special, I don't have to follow a formula to a T in order to get Mm -hmm. a result. That's not, that's so binary. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I feel like that's the opposite of what magic is. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So manifestation is something I really love to talk about and something I have you know, I've created courses on and I've done workshops on and I've written about and talked about, but yeah, it's also something that I get the most pushback on, which I'm like, cool, go for it. Let's talk about it. Wow. Just from what we already talked about, that's what people push back against. Like the creating your own reality. You're dealing with people's pride, like primal sense of, I don't know if it's primal, but their core understanding of reality and you're Mm. also pushing on people's co-understanding of themselves Mm. and and then third would be like because when I'm I'm specifically thinking of like one instance in a workshop and it was just like oh this person is obviously upset because they aren't ready to let go Mm. of the way that they've been doing things and the results that they've been getting and I mean especially what I work on like with one-to-one coaching clients is like a lot of times the things that we think we want the most we have the most resistance to And it can feel like you're in a fucking box or a corner. You're cornered by that experience. And so I think that when you do, when you hold space to talk about manifestation, you're holding space for these really intense experiences that people are having, where they're basically having to transcend like all of their conditioning to be able to even listen to what you're saying. Mm. And so I understand that. I understand that I'm holding space for that. I understand that that's what I've signed up to do when I sign up to, to, to be some sort of, you know, figure talking about this. Yeah. So I, it's just like people's conditioning, their trauma, their fears, all of that is going to be like purged. And I'm like, yeah, your resistance right now, like, and the fact that you're actually addressing it and talking about it instead of pretending, oh, I'm just confused or I just don't know. Like that person's probably going to get the thing that they want much quicker than someone who is just being like, yeah, sounds nice. I'll do that. You know, mm-hmm. without, you know, just hearing it. I mean, maybe, I don't know, they have an equal opportunity. Right. But I think that the people who are willing to face and purge the things that are coming up for them when they hear these, these things, you know, that's a really beautiful and profound experience. Yeah. And what's so sort of like dysregulating about, I think, the manifestation work that you're talking about is often like you're the thing standing in the way of what you want. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like you are literally standing in the way of the timeline collapsing. Like you are pushing those two ends to the extreme and you just need to step back and step out of it. And like, it feels hard and it feels like a fight because you are fighting. You're like fighting Mm -hmm. against what the universe wants or what the timeline wants to do because you're like committed to staying in that maybe that idea or that story or that belief or that character, that archetype that you are embodying right now. When you're saying you want to embody a different archetype or a different reality, but you're like really committed to this one right here. And that can be, Mm -hmm. yeah, that can feel like really dysregulating. Yeah. Cause manifestation is about alignment. And 
I mean, I, but I'm at the point where I have all the tools to, for all the things. And sometimes I'm like, yeah, I just don't feel like it. Like I just don't, I know I could manifest the, da, da, da. yeah, that's also work. Like yeah, energetic work is also work. I yeah. still have to do the tapping and then do the meditation. I got to write so, it know, down every day. I've got to like do my shit. I have to, yeah. Like it does yeah. take work. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, just be also just because you do know, and you do have the tools like that, that doesn't mean that everything's going to be perfect. And I think like, we didn't come here for this to be easy. Mm-hmm. Like easy at some point gets boring. Mm. And so it's just about choosing where you want the complexity and the the difficulty and the work and the strife to be and what you want it to look like and knowing that you have a choice in that. So yeah, I think that's probably my biggest message around the the resistance part of it. Yeah, I love that. That's true. We are looking for... I don't think we're looking for like difficulty and like strife necessarily, but we're looking for interesting in this life, mm. you know, and mm-hmm. easy can, like you said, be boring. And I wonder if maybe the reframe, my partner and I say this a lot, but like, just choose the better story. Like mm-hmm. what's going to be the better story at the cocktail party or at your mm-hmm. funeral in a hundred years or whatever, what will that be? Okay. Do that. Mm-hmm. That's like way more fun and interesting. Maybe it doesn't have to be as like dramatic. Yeah. Yeah. I think like a lot of my, my question to myself right now constantly, okay. is like, okay, but are you having fun? Okay. But is it fun? Mm-hmm. If it's not, don't do it. Like, <laughs> and also with like money and money, da, 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 da. like, I'm like, okay, what do I want to do with my life? Okay. Money is here to support that. It's not the other way around. Like that I do with my life, what will make me money? Mm-hmm. <laughs> because then what is the point of the life? if it's in service, I mean, your life can be in service to currency and money specifically, if you want it to be, but just knowing that that's a choice. So yeah. And, you know, I understand the way that the subconscious mind works. I understand that most of our patterns are ingrained in us before the age of seven. And that a lot of it is deep patterning and deconditioning and to tell someone like, Oh, you chose that. It's like, well, they did. And also there's more to that story. Yeah. Like, you know, there's, there's a nuance and a complexity to the idea of choice before you've been exposed to the way that you've been conditioned. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and again, like that, even saying that nuance, it gets obliterated in some digital spaces because we're, we're communicating with mean, we're commuting with communicating with 130 characters as opposed to, yeah. And and yeah, that can feel gross or that can get taken out of context too. And so mm-hmm. circling all the way back to the beginning of our conversation, if you've got something like what you have, which is so important and valuable to share, it can also be a little scary knowing that this sort of like the lights and the shadows will get blown out on the, in this digital space sometimes. Yeah. And I'm also like, that's what I signed up for. That's what I'm here for. Like to feel it all, to experience it all. Like I'm, I refuse to live my life in fear. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't understand about me or are quite surprised by is like the the way that I live my life because I'm just like, what, what am I going to do? Be scared? Knowing that I, I didn't come here for it to be easy and for it to, for everything to be easy all the time is what I'll say. I'd love for a lot of things to be easy, <laughs> but I just know like, you know, I've manifested the the figures and I've manifested the people I manifested the, you know, I, whatever I can do. I know that I can do that. And I also know that when you get the thing, you just want other things. So I'm like, okay, well, why don't I just have fun in this process and, and know that the whole life is the process of 
wanting and being in the wanting and the longing and the getting and the celebrating and then the wanting again. And like, you know, yeah. I, I really liked what you said about feeling it all too. I'm like super into this idea and, and so much of Western spirituality has been about like transcending the body, mm-hmm. right? Transcending, being above an experience, even like, you know, stoicism is about having like, sort of like equal mood all the time and not going so do- so low or so happy, just like sort of being. And I'm kind of like not about that. Like what if our mm. if our life experience is to feel the depth and the rate? I mean, such a Pisces saying that, but what if it is? Like, what if that's why we're here is to mm. feel all the things to like color with the full box of crayons, not just the black and white and gray. Like I, I want that. Like I want to mm. feel that. That's, that's being human, I think, mm. you know? Yeah, I, I would agree for myself I also have had experiences with neutrality emotional neutrality which was fascinating and did feel like a superpower but it also scared the shit out of me (laughs) I don't know if it scared the shit out of me because I was just so not used to it and was like oh there's something there's something wrong or if it was because it really wasn't right for my system Mm -hmm. but I do like the thing is is like I really do believe everything is perfect and that like your experience of wanting to go more fully like the stoics played a part in that. Like, I think Mm -hmm. that like the fact that people exist on all these different spectrums of reality, like my, one of the things that I think of a lot these days is like, when I see someone who's in a really interesting and like very different from what I would choose kind of life, I think like, oh, I'm so glad that piece of God or that piece of me is having that experience over there. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm so glad that there's a part of me because I'm a part of this larger macrocosm that is having that experience and Mm -hmm. that I get to have mine because I think that they need each other. Like, I think that to me, this is a polarity dimension. So we need this, you know, maybe we don't need the Stoics in in the way that that might sound like, you know, need to, to be them or to want to be them, but, you know, to have whatever they represent, like to have that perspective, even if it's just to push back against it. Yeah, totally. And, and even like, well, I think maybe if we, if we boil it down to the root of what I think we all kind of want the same thing, which is Mm -hmm. to have like a pure experience, right. That's Mm -hmm. not, that's not veiled. And often like Mm -hmm. our emotions, especially the ones that aren't owned, that we're not in awareness of, they are steering the ship as opposed to us having personal sovereignty and choosing our experience. And so maybe that's what we're all kind of going for. There's just a different flavor depending on what you're into these days. Yeah, I love that that idea of it not wanting an experience to be veiled. And I think that's like what our jobs are as like mystics and magical people is to be so weird on the other end of that veil <laughs> that people have to lift it up just to see what the fuck is going on over there. You know? Yeah, and and like, then it can be like it's my oh. butt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's very Sheila gig. <laughs> yeah, like people because people don't know that they're living through a veil. And that's sort of the hardest part for me. Like, I don't mind that there are people who are living really unconsciously or toxically, quote unquote. That's okay. But do they know that there's another option? You know, like, I think that's my only question is like, I just hope that they know that there's another option, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I feel like that's a perfect place to end. You dropped so many knowledge bombs and just, (laughs) you're such a delight. And I I don't want to take you too far over, but what are you working on and how can people find you and support you on the internet? 
Yeah. Well, I might have a Patreon coming after <laughs> literally I've resisted it for five years. Like I remember creating Patreon content five years ago. No way. <laughs> no, seriously. Like I have like an intro video somewhere on my computer. <laughs> so that's how I've been resisting it, but you might see that. I also have my love relationships course is reopening. Nice. Um, you can work with me one-on-one. But yeah, you can find me at juliciacypress.com or Instagram. My Julissa Cypress everywhere. Yeah. We'll put, we'll drop all the links and we'll drop. We'll, yeah. We'll drop the Patreon if the Patreon's live. Beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Come and find me and hang out. See if you like it. If you do, there's ways to continue to work with me. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much. It was so great to talk to you. Yeah. Thank you. This is probably one of my favorite interviews, interview styles for sure. Nice. Yes. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> your, your water, your water energy is like, yeah. <laughs> like praise me. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Validation and water signs is like <laughs> toxic it, it, relationship. It really is. <laughs> Okay. And that is the episode. Thank you so much for tuning in to the 12th house. We love having you here. You're the best star baby angel unicorn. If you could rate review and subscribe to this podcast, it would be amazing. What happens when, so I don't know if you know, but there's this big like sort of tussle happening between Apple and Spotify. And that means actually quite a lot for podcasters and people who have podcasts. And that's because Apple is transitioning to a paid model and Spotify is basically making all podcasts free, except you have to pay for Spotify, obviously. So things are a little bit different. Why is this important? Because our ratings and rankings are going to start to change a lot. And it's going to be really interesting to see how it shakes out. But what you can do to help creators like us is so, so, so simple. You don't have to pay for this podcast. Apple's going to make you, is going to ask people to pay for podcasts in the future. That's what they're transitioning to. They're going to give creators the option to have people pay for their podcast, which is cool. But Apple's going to take like 30%, which is kind of a dick move. So anyways, maybe rethink whether you want to use Apple Podcasts or not. Maybe, maybe hop over to Spotify. You do your thing. But what you can do that's really helpful is subscribe to the podcast that you love and give them a rating. Give them a couple stars or a review. But subscribing to the podcast is the thing that really makes a difference. And I am just like you. I'm one of those people who I don't want to have too many podcasts in my feed. I just want to like go and search for whatever I'm looking for when I remember that it exists because I don't want to be things to be cluttered. I get it. I totally get it. And it would mean so much to us if you just hit subscribe on Apple or on Spotify, maybe even preferably Spotify because that helps us get seen by more people. It helps us get found. And as things are sort of shaking up in these on these two podcast players, there's a really big difference in how we're able to sort of like get this stuff to you. So that, I know it sounds so silly and simple, but it really makes a big difference. And hopefully maybe now that you know kind of what's going on algorithmically behind the scenes, you might understand why it's maybe like the most important time to subscribe to the creators that you love because many of those creators will choose to stay on Spotify and make their stuff available for free and instead use things like ads to support their work or, you know, like sell products like what we do at Holisticism to make sure that they can continue to make and produce content every week, which takes time and money. 
or people will move to Apple Podcasts and you'll subscribe and pay for that podcast content. So it will be like signing up for a Patreon, but inside of Apple and your makers won't, they'll only get 60% of the cut of what you're paying. So we'd like to stay on Spotify and leave this free for you. The better we do on Spotify, the, you know, the better for everyone. And so anyways, not interesting. Thanks for listening. If you got all the way through this, (laughs) I hope you have a beautiful rest of your day and I'll see you on the internet. Okay. Bye. (music) 